Hey everyone, welcome back to Upstate Anecdotes, the Shy Institute for Sustainable Communities podcast. My name's Caroline Singleton. So last time we defined sustainable food justice and said that as the summer goes on, conversations happen and it will likely evolve. As a refresher, our current definition of sustainable food justice is equitable access to food that is culturally appropriate, sustainably grown or sourced, and helps afford people a good quality of life. And like I said last time, food waste is a huge issue and something important to consider in the conversation about sustainable food justice. So let's talk about the facts. These all come from sources like the USDA, the EPA, and the nonprofit hunger relief organization Feeding America. So globally, 1.4 billion tons of food is wasted each year. In the United States, it's about 40 million tons or 80 billion pounds. That means that about 30 to 40% of all food supply in the United States is wasted. If you break it down per person, it's roughly 219 pounds of food per year. Globally, the US comes third in total food wasted, just behind the more populated countries, China and India. And I don't know about you, but these numbers are insane. To put that number of 219 pounds into perspective, humans eat on average two to three pounds of food per day. So when you break it down, that's anywhere from two and a half to three and a half months worth of food for one person. And according to the Food and Agriculture Organization, by 2050, we will need to produce 60 more percent food to feed the world population. Doing so, with the monoculture approach we have to farming right now, would take an extremely heavy toll on our natural resources. Monocultures are when you just grow one crop. Think fields as far as the eye can see, but it's just corn. They take up roughly 254 million acres of land in the U.S., Keep in mind that the average acreage of a house in the United States is less than half an acre. They contribute to soil erosion and the pesticides and fertilizers used in them make their way into groundwater or become airborne, thus creating pollution. And that leads to a whole other set of environmental issues. But when you hear these numbers, it becomes obvious that the US and the world don't need some sort of major food innovation to meet the increased food needs. The solution is right in front of us, and it all starts with the reduction of food waste. Because why am I sitting here telling you that the United States is completely capable of solving its hunger problem, but just hasn't? Well, let's talk about the culture we have in the United States. For starters, the portion sizes in this country tend to be comically large. In fact, I just went to a restaurant the other day and ordered spaghetti. I saw the bowl coming and I knew it was gonna be impossible. How are we expected to healthily finish a meal when the portions are bigger than our head? Or maybe you stop at a fast food restaurant whose only drink size is large, literally large. But that all contributes to this culture of greed we foster in our relationships with food. Think about it, you're at the grocery store. Maybe it's the local Publix on Old Buncombe or the Walmart right up the road. Do you have a list? I'd guess not, I usually don't. But what typically happens when you go into grocery stores with no game plan is you overbuy. Maybe you're really hungry when you go and everything looks good, or maybe you're not exactly sure what you or your family wants, so you just buy those extra things just in case. Now, I'd like to pause for a second to acknowledge that this is privileged. It's a privilege to think this way, to view food this way, to play the role of the consumer in this way. And I know most people don't have that privilege. 
Next episode, I'll be talking with Susan France to learn more about food security in Greenville County. So flash forward, you get home, a couple weeks go by and you've eaten most of the groceries you bought, but oh no, how did that loaf of bread mold so fast? And that extra carton of milk? How could it possibly be spoiled already? You just bought it. Or a carton of eggs. Eggs are good for three to five weeks after purchasing, but the label says otherwise. So you check the expiration dates, sure enough, expired, into the trash they go. And only about 6% of Americans compost their food. That means that 94% of the country doesn't compost at all. And while composting is an incredible way to reduce your food waste while aiding the environment, we should ultimately be trying to reduce the amount of food we don't consume. In the US, we're obsessed with food spoilage because of those labels. Use by, sell by, and best before have us in a chokehold. So we throw things away. When in reality, these labels are about quality, not safety. The truth is that while expiration dates can generally be followed, these use by and best before labels create mountains of food waste. Because in this country, we have a relatively cheap, easy access to food, which results in undervaluing food. We're impulsive, we don't plan grocery trips, and we overbuy. This is why the number one place that food waste comes from in the U.S. is homes, from people like you and me. After that are restaurants, grocery stores, and food service companies. And farms and manufacturers actually come last. A lot of this begins with grocery store aesthetic rules. These rules are the reason why your tomatoes look so pristine year-round. Because a lot of times, farmers don't even bother harvesting the so-called ugly food, the food that tastes perfectly fine, has all the nutritional value of its peers, but happens to have a bumpy figure or a weird shape, thus becoming less attractive to most consumers, grocers, and manufacturers. In most cases, it is not composted and ends up in the waste bin. When talking about food labeling in his book, Waste, Tristram Stewart says, when over strict standards are applied in ways that unnecessarily increase food waste, it undermines the credibility of the whole system and risks turning it into one designed to protect corporations from litigation rather than one that protects people and the planet they live on. Maybe these aesthetic rules play a role in our food culture. However, this podcast is about sustainability and social justice. You cannot have one without the other. So I'm not saying we all boycott grocery stores. In reality, a nice trip to a Saturday morning farmer's market at 9 a.m. just isn't realistic for most people. Grocery stores offer convenience and value to those who can't spend time or money shopping at farmer's markets each week. But you don't have to go in blind. Plan recipes and look at your shelves and refrigerators before grocery shopping. Jot down a list and try not to stray from it. Think about what you need and what you're actually going to use. I've been doing this for a couple of weeks now and you'll be happily surprised with how little waste you produce. But think about it. The goal is affordable, safe, equitable access to food. And while grocery stores, government regulations, and the beautiful slices of food on your plate at a restaurant that seem identical have forced us to believe a misshapen tomato is somehow less desirable, I for one would buy that tomato. Imperfect produce is necessary to achieve sustainable food justice. When researching this episode, I read an article in Bon Appetit magazine from 2014, and Doug Roch, former president of Trader Joe's, was quoted using a great metaphor for this. It's a little long, but bear with me because I think it's worth it. He said, it's like cars. There will always be new ones for sale, but there's also a market for pre-owned vehicles. 
they might have a little ding or dent or something that makes them less valued than a beautiful new one. But thank God we have a used car market. Can you imagine if we only could buy new, perfect vehicles, and when people were done with them, they just shipped them off to the junk pile? That'd be a real loss, especially if the car runs well. There's got to be somebody who needs that car, somebody who'd appreciate it. So now that we have a basic understanding of food waste and some of the pieces that create food waste, I want to circle back to my definition of sustainable food justice. More specifically, I want to explain why you can't separate sustainability and social justice. Former podcast fellow Autumn Hines gave us a great explanation of the donut model of economics. According to Kate Rayworth, the British economist who created the model, it creates a safe and just space for humanity to thrive in. Now, I'd highly recommend you go and listen to episode 11 of Upstate Anecdotes, in which Autumn gives us more details about the donut. I've linked it in the show notes if you're interested. But to put it plainly, the inside of the donut are societal shortcomings such as poverty, hunger, and lack of political voice. Outside of the donut is where we push the planetary boundaries too far and exploit resources. These are things such as climate change, air pollution, and biodiversity loss. Now, between these social and planetary boundaries is a space that is ecologically safe and socially just. I also recommend that you look up the donut model, as it makes much more sense visually and provides more details. This donut model is the primary way that the Shai Institute looks at sustainability. It's a holistic view that shifts how we previously looked at sustainability. And what I like about it in particular is that it doesn't leave anyone out. The donut is inherently oriented towards social justice. The current food systems we have in place, that being industrial agriculture and monocultures, do not protect our environment, human health, and don't produce enough food that's nutritious or reaches everyone. Social justice itself is about a range of interconnected issues, and so is sustainability. If we don't see how these two overlap, we're unlikely to see solutions at all. As it goes for anything, if you don't understand the problem, it's a whole lot harder to solve it. Researcher Rafter Ferguson wrote that the most ecologically elegant food system that leaves people out is just creating the building blocks for a new round of environmental harm. He goes on to say that an unsustainable food system requires a steady supply of people without options. We all need a food system that creates options for people and doesn't leave anyone out in order to ensure real and lasting sustainability. There are lots of people and organizations already doing the work to create options for people to ensure a sustainable lifestyle. Next time, we'll hear from Susan France. She's the food security director at Livewell Greenville, an organization whose mission is to promote healthy eating and active lifestyles. I hope that after listening to this episode, you question your own definition of sustainability and come to a greater understanding of what it can be. I look forward to reevaluating my definition of sustainable food justice, and as we'll learn from Susan next time, the work is just getting started. Don't forget to follow the Shy Institute on Instagram, at Sustainable Furman. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Caroline Singleton, and this has been Upstate Anecdotes. Until next time.